I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Let's get moving with Maria. Inspiration to spend a few minutes each day to get moving on the small things that can make a big difference in your life. Thanks for joining us on Let's Get Moving. I'm Sage Miller, the producer of the pod, and I'm hosting while Maria is out. Today, I'm speaking to Dr. Ron Rigby with the Ogden Clinic about the ketogenic diet. You may have heard of it. There's a good chance somebody in your life is currently doing keto. The diet encourages eating healthy fats and proteins to manage weight and other medical conditions. Welcome, Dr. Ron Rigby. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. So happy to have you. What exactly is the keto diet? The keto diet is a short term for the ketogenic diet, which is a diet or a lifestyle to try to get you into a fat-burning state and more internally. So we're starting to use more fat as your fuel source versus sugar or glucose. And so what exactly is the purpose of keto? The ketogenic-based diet can definitely be beneficial in a lot of different ways, but it's helping control some of the internal hormones. And what got me into this is trying to deal with obesity medicine. So my goal is to help people lose weight. Therefore, my goal is to help control some of their insulin levels, which is a key hormone, and healthier fats helps lower or doesn't raise your insulin as often. Therefore, the ketogenic-based diet helps in that way. The insulin levels, is that what you're trying to control? Think of it this way. Most of us think of our sex hormones as our estrogen, progesterone, testosterone aspects as all of our hormones. No, a hormone is a chemical structure released from one cell to help tell another cell what to do, simply. One of the main functions of insulin is when your blood sugar goes up, then we'll need more insulin to get it out of the bloodstream and into the cell. What happens when we change the lifestyle or change the diet around a little bit, we're not putting as many carbohydrates, therefore not as much glucose, therefore we're not bumping up the insulin as much. Fats have a lot less effect on your insulin. So by adding more healthier fats, it has less effect on the insulin to get the fuel into the cells. And how long has this diet been around or this lifestyle been around? It's becoming more trendy now where people call it a fad diet. But if you actually go back and look at the history The first medical document really talking about in the 1900s, trying to help control pediatric seizures, starting to use more of a ketogenic-based diet. But if you go back in, I'm not a big evolutionary type person, but they always talk about our forefathers always when they're hunting and gathering and that type of idea, they didn't always have a meal on a regular basis. So they were going for longer periods of time, but eating a lot more protein, but fat aspect, not always protein, but the fat aspect to keep them fuller for longer 
and having more sustainability for a longer period of time. How does it help somebody lose weight if that is their primary goal? We always talk about losing weight as a calorie aspect. And if they go, what fat has more calories. Calories is a unit of energy. Our body doesn't understand what a unit of energy is. As a scientist or a medical doctor, we're looking at calories as trying to understand the fuel source and what's being absorbed and how your body's doing things and the fuel that it's using. And we're using calories as a unit to understand what's going on. When we go, oh, I'm eating so many calories, your body doesn't understand what a calorie is. So it's not go, oh, I have to go up by so much because we put in so many calories. Your body goes, okay, what does it break into? And what are those components now affect the internal hormones? Therefore, having more of the healthier fats isn't bumping the insulin as much. Everybody's body is a little bit different, but the kind of the accepted number is less than one unit. When we eat a lot of, or eat protein, bumps it up by three and carbohydrates will bump it by six. So that's somebody who is healthy. Can like anybody do keto or is there certain individuals in their body types that shouldn't participate in this kind of lifestyle change? Everybody's different, but people who are more insulin resistant, meaning their body's not sensitive to the insulin, Therefore, when they eat carbohydrates, bumps their insulin a lot higher. Those are the ones probably the ketogenic diet can be more beneficial. If their body is more insulin sensitive, meaning they eat what we call the standard American diet, more carbohydrates, moderate protein, less fat, their body doesn't produce as much insulin, therefore doesn't bump up the insulin as much when they eat those foods and they can get away with more of more what we call traditional or the standard American diet but if I actually go back and look at history, it's only late, since the late 70s we've actually started eating this way because the government got involved and is telling us this is the way we're supposed to eat. So kind of going back to diets that look at calorie intake. Mm-hmm. So is this one of the first the, the first new eating lifestyle changes that people have made that don't directly focus on calorie intake? Most of the trendy diets out there, we'll use that as a catch-all phrase, but those diets are all based off, oh, I have to eat less. I have to get less calories. And unfortunately, when it comes to weight loss aspect of it, we're always saying lower is better. Well, unfortunately, outside of golf, there's... That's about the only (laughs) successful thing you want lower aspects of. Think of it this way, at least another way of thinking about it. So let's say I was having a huge party and I invited all friends, whatever. I'm going to have some of the most famous people cooking for us. They'll cook whatever you want to your heart's content. What are you going to do in preparation to this big party? Not eat. Exactly. And you might actually exercise, walk to my house, come to the building where we're having it, maybe go to the gym and exercise a little bit more to be a little bit more hungry so you can eat more at this party. Yeah. What do we usually tell people who are looking at weight loss as their ultimate goal? They should eat less. And they should decrease their calorie intake and And exercise more. Yeah. How is that really going to help? It doesn't work because you get more hungry, so you want to eat more often. Then we say, just don't eat. When we're talking dietary, the ketogenic-based diet, having more healthier fats can now make you satiated or full for a longer period of time because we're not triggering some of the other hormones that play a role in weight gain. Unfortunately, we always say, oh, it's weight related. People who have risk factors, family history of diabetes, or if you got pregnant, you gain excess amount of weight in pregnancy or had large babies, or you have elevated visceral fat or, or a fatty liver, all those people can get some benefit from the ketogenic based diet. People who should probably avoid it or at least be more conscientious of not doing that Somebody already has an eating abnormality, anorexia nervosa being most common where they don't want to eat or are afraid of eating in and of itself, or people who have multiple different eating abnormalities probably shouldn't focus on this to help solve their problem. 
but it's a tool to help with that. How is it a tool to help with individuals who have body dysmorphia or an eating disorder? Well, a lot of times by changing their eating habits and their understanding the types of fools, we've always been taught, oh, you're supposed to eat. So if you're now changing and your body's getting the fuel that it needs, it allows them to focus on their treatment or trying to deal with the psychological aspects. Can you kind of explain um, how keto can help prevent certain kinds of diseases like diabetes or how it can help things like epilepsy? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about diabetes first, okay? What is diabetes? And when we usually talk diabetes, we're usually talking diabetes type 2, which is a, a point where your body doesn't do well with the sugar and therefore your sugars are high and we produce a lot of insulin, but the cells are not sensitive to the insulin. So if we now focus on changing the caloric intake or the fuel that we're putting in the, the body, we're now not putting the sugar, therefore we don't need as much insulin to get it into the cells. Therefore, it can help us control their diabetes and actually and a lot of research is starting to come out now about being able to reverse or put into remission type 2 diabetes. How, how long should you stay on the keto diet? It's a trick question. The reason I say it's a trick question is if your body doesn't do well with carbohydrates and you've been struggling with your whole life, now I went three months, six months, three years without having it, now I start putting it back in, isn't your body going to start producing more insulin? Now, if somebody, let's say they went away to school or whatever, and they ate, quote, unquote, healthy at home, and they never had any weight issues, and all of a sudden they showed up at college, and they're going, I'm going to eat and drink whatever I want, and I'm eating larger volumes, and they gain a lot of weight right away. Maybe by changing their diet for a short period of time, they might be able to get their weight or their metabolic health down sooner, therefore they might be able to get away with a, a marginal amount of carbohydrates. So there's no, everybody should do it for this long or this long. Now, again, from the patients that I'm dealing with, who are usually the diabetics, the, pre, the pre-diabetics, the, the morbidly obese, the obese, the women who have had gestational diabetes, people who have PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome, any doctors or medical will, when they hear ketosis, we all think of diabetic ketoacidosis. And is that a dangerous thing? Yes. Can you die from that? Yes. There are some people who can get there. Statistically, usually the biggest people are type 1 diabetics because their body's not producing the insulin or we're not giving them enough insulin. So therefore, their ketone levels are now going up. And they look at it in millimoles. Just to give an idea, what we call nutritional ketosis, anywhere between about 0.5 and 5. To get into diabetic ketoacidosis, it usually starts about 15. So we have a big range there that you'd have to really get out of control to kind of put you into that diabetic ketoacidosis, which now can cause a lot of problems and leads to death. We don't want that. So don't get me wrong. However, to get into ketosis, is trying to get to the point where your insulin level is low because you're keeping your blood sugars low and your body is now releasing some of those fatty acids or water-soluble components, and there's three key ones, but your body's now producing it. Therefore, your ketone levels are high, get us into fat-adapted or ketosis. And that, and that is beneficial? It can be beneficial in a lot of different ways. It can help with the PCOS, with epileptics or seizure patients. Now, people go, do I have to be in ketosis all the time? Yes, if you're an epileptic and 
None of them, you're not on any medicines and you now go out of ketosis, you're at higher risk of having a seizure. So if you're one of those, yes, we want to keep you in ketosis as much as possible. But if you're now doing this for PCOS or diabetes or for weight loss in and of itself, do you have to be in ketosis? No. There's a term out there a lot of us will use is like the keto zone. I might have my 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 sugar's low, my insulin's decent, but my ketones aren't high enough, but so I'm not technically in ketosis, but I'm still getting the benefits I'm looking at. I feel better. I have more energy. I'm sleeping better. My joints don't hurt. I'm losing weight. My blood sugars are better controlled with my diabetes. Then do you have to be in ketosis? No. But there are some people going, when I get into ketosis, I feel so much better. My brain functions better. I can actually think better. I function with my job better. We probably want to be into ketosis a little bit more often, especially with those situations. So it's all dependent on your own body. There's no universal answer to what works best for you. Now I really want to talk about food. And I'm very, very curious about the myth on fats. So I remember growing up with my mom. I always remember her saying, if you're ever doing a diet sage, you need to stay away from avocados. Those fats are bad. You can't eat fats. You have to do calorie intake. Why should I not be afraid of fats? The biggest thing we get worried about fat is two things. One, it has more calories, and it's all about calories, at least that's what we've always been taught. And two, it's usually going to bump up your cholesterol, therefore cause you have a heart attack, which we don't want to have a heart attack. However, eating the fat does not bump up your levels of fat. So we've always been told basically the idea that your mom was having, it's all about calories. So we only have three fuel sources. You have sugar from carbohydrates. You have proteins, and there's the fats or break into fatty acids. So if we're now lowering your carbohydrates and protein's not the greatest fuel source, it's a good backup, but we're basically, it's there to build muscle, to maintain structures. Now, if you're trying to lose or gain a lot of weight and build muscles and stuff like that, yes, we're going to need a lot more protein. Or if you're more of an athlete and you're breaking down, therefore you're trying to build it up, you're going to need more protein. But most of us aren't those type of athletes. So we don't need a ton of protein. We need protein, don't get me wrong, but we don't need a ton of protein. But our only other fuel source we have is the fat. And we've been told to avoid that at all costs. They always say, oh, if you eat those saturated fats, it's going to harden your arteries and it's going to cause death. Yeah, that's all I've ever thought about cheese. I mean, I love cheese, but all mm-hmm. I, every time every time I eat cheese, I always think you're going to clog an artery, Sage. This mm-hmm. isn't a good idea. So, And they've always, I still remember the commercials where they would dump bacon grease down the drain and it would clog the artery. And this is what's going to happen to your arteries. So they go, it's going to harden in your arteries. No, your body breaks it down to a molecular level and uses those molecules to use what it needs to do. Adding that fat on top of the carbohydrates can lead to heart disease. However, if we're now lowering those carbs, we've we've always b- blamed the the butter, but we should be blaming the bread. Again, I'm talking from the aspect of somebody who is more insulin resistant. So from that perspective, we bump up the insulin. What does the insulin do? It now affects our cholesterol numbers. It also worsens inflammation, which can be one of the main factors causing a heart attack. So what would you recommend for individuals who are vegetarian who won't eat meat? Mm-hmm. So what, like, what are their options? So multiple different options. But if they will eat eggs, eggs are a good option. The nuts, the soy, different ways of getting those proteins. But again, it's not about getting higher levels of protein. It's about moderate amount of protein, lowering the carbs, but getting healthier fats. So maybe I'm having some quinoa, which does have some protein, but it's going to have a lot more carbs, but I'm now adding more fats with that. So olive oil, coconut oil, butter, ghee, 
the key aspect is they've got to be smart enough to know how to get those essential amino acids that their body needs. And there's no good source for just one of them. You have to mix and match. So you have to be a little bit more aware and conscientious of that. What foods should I genuinely stay away from? Anything processed to start with. Now, keep in mind, um, fruits are going to have a lot more carbs. And then we go, but fruit's really healthy. It is compared to the processed food. But the way I always tell people is start with the amount of protein you would normally eat. Get your salad or whatever, but maybe I'm getting rid of the breads, the pasta, or at least cutting back on that. But I'm still hungry. Well, add more fat to it. The reason I say that is the proteins and the fats have what we call essential amino acids and essential fatty acids. Why they're called essential because your body can't make it. You have to put it in. So let's put the essential stuff in first. Well, if they go, but I'm not hungry, then don't eat. And we've been taught we're supposed to eat all the time. But if you're not hungry, don't eat. Hey, that was another one of my questions. Is okay. that you have to follow that 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 notion that you should eat and snack every two hours and have small meals throughout the day. And, and a lot of people highly recommend it. And there are people who do well with it. However, and they go, there are studies. There are. Who are they usually looking at? Usually athletes who are in the gym working all the time. So I, I use a simple analogy with my patients, and sometimes it helps, is when do you have to put gas in the car? Usually when the light comes on. When you go get gas, if there's no limiting factor, when do you stop putting gas? Usually when the pump's off. And I'm assuming your car runs unleaded. So three things together. When should you eat? When I'm hungry. Two, how much should I eat? Till I'm content, but put in the right type of fuel. Let's say we're driving home and you get rerouted on I-15 and you get totally, because of traffic or whatever, and you get totally lost. All of a sudden your light pump light comes on and you get, you're like, I need gas. So you pull in the only one gas station you can find and as soon as you grab the, the handle of the pump, the pump lights up and goes, sorry for the inconvenience. All the unleaded's gone, but diesel's at a quarter price. You're going, well, I need fuel. Let's put diesel in. None of us are going to do that, at least not intentionally. But when we get hungry, we go, I'm hungry. I need fuel. What's in the break room? What's in the convenience store? Where's the fast food that's easy access? Because I get to eat because I'm really hungry. And they told me I'm not supposed to not be hungry. It's like, I need fuel. Well, you're not going to die if you wait an hour or two till you get the right type of fuel. So speaking of right type of fuel, what is the right type of fuel? What should I be eating? What are good fats, good fatty acids that I should be consuming? Give me the lowdown. I always say start with the protein. So if you're not a vegetarian, having a fatter cut of meat. Don't go for the biggest steak. Go for the fattier cut of meat. We want the fattier types of meat, the fattier cuts of meat. Well, I don't like all the gristly stuff. Great. Don't eat it. Add butter to it. Olive oil. We're just like, let's just encourage. You're just like dollop of olive oil, dollop of coconut oil, exactly. dollop of Put, butter. Adding more fat to it because that'll help us feel full faster. Start with that. If you're done with that, then move on to green leafy vegetables and stuff, but add some olive oil or some type of oily type. So you're so, telling me I shouldn't be scared of dressings? Depends on the amount of sugar that's in the dressings. Fair. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, But having the dressings is not a bad thing. That's going to help you feel satiated and fuller for a longer period of time than the sugary ones. The sugary ones, you're now a couple hours later, it's like, mm, I'm hungry. I'm craving something. I got to eat. Now I want to talk about anybody who's beginning keto. How difficult is it to maintain? Everybody says that's the hardest thing is that you can't maintain it. You've got to have certain foods. Technically, you don't outside of the proteins and the fats. 
A lot of times when I hear it's like, but I have to give them my bread. Now we're talking a whole nother aspect. It's not how your body's functioning. Now we're talking is how those, how you respond to those foods and the addictive aspect of it. And that's where ketogenic based diet, and especially from the weight aspect, we've got to help control some of those hormones. Mm -hmm. Those hormones now can trigger how our brain functions, which could be causing some of those cravings or why we're feeling full. It's not willpower. It's more of a hormonal communication from the gut to the brain. What about dining out? Can we make almost any meal at a restaurant keto-friendly? You have to be a little bit more mindful, but if you can read a menu and understand that, okay, my goal is to try to not have as many carbs. So if I'm going out and having a burger with friends, so maybe I'm having a burger, but maybe I'm getting cheese and bacon with it. Maybe I'm having a lettuce wrap. I'm not getting the fries. I'm not having the bun. I'm not having the, the regular soda. I always tell people, let's gradually go there. Some people are always like, let's get gradually get there. So maybe you're starting with the, your hamburger and only having part of the bun. Or you're out with friends or whatever, and you have a couple of the fries versus buying your own fries. You're starting to at least be mindful of it. The things we don't always talk about, especially with some of those places, is sometimes we're using quote-unquote vegetable oils which can also cause some more inflammation. So that's the difficult part with going out to eat is you don't know what they're using in the back to cook it Mm -hmm. with. But you can always ask for some meat, a green leafy salad, have the, the dressing on the side so you get to control versus the guy or the gal in the back who's just pouring it on. Part of it is being willing to ask, well, can you do this with it? Can we substitute this for this? What can I adjust so I can now get my protein, my healthier fats? So I just want to go back to this one comment that you said earlier was that you don't have to do it all at once. No. I can let go in moderation. Depends on how aggressive you want to get there and depends on how metabolically sick you are. Fair. So if you're an uncontrolled diabetic, yeah, jumping in, going more aggressive than somebody who has PCOS, who's like trying to figure out what to do, how to do it, when to do it, that type of stuff. One of the drawbacks that people have to be aware of, I wouldn't say drawbacks, be aware of is the keto flu or they're called the Atkins flu. What happens is when your insulin level, one of the effects of insulin, it tells your body to hold on to salts. You hold, therefore, your body retains more water. So by lowering your insulin level rapidly, one of the effects of your kidneys is dump out the salt. You lose more water. You now feel fatigued. You have brain fog. Well, why? Your body's not used to burning the fat. You're not giving it the sugar. Your insulin's low. Your electrolytes are now gone or at least going down. You need it. You need water You need salt. And unfortunately, the two biggest things we've always been told to avoid, and you should if you're eating a lot of carbohydrates, is fat and salt. If you're now jumping all in or going real aggressive with a ketogenic-based diet, we need to add more water, add more salt, but add more fat so your body has the fuel source that it needs. What exactly is like the quote-unquote the success rate with people maintaining their weight loss or maintaining a healthier lifestyle? Depends on how you're responding and what you go back to eating from the weight aspect and what's the effect of the insulin. It's like, but I'm having a little bit. If your body's producing a lot of insulin from that, you're going to get horrible results. And yes, you can gain weight rapidly. And again, my aspect of Ogden Clinic, it is medical weight loss. I don't focus always on the weight. It's more about their metabolic health. So if your blood sugars are better controlled, your blood pressure is better controlled, or I have more energy and my joints don't hurt, all those things can dramatically improve. But if you go back to some of your old eating habits, those all can come back. And a lot of times come back with a vengeance because you go, well, I can eat this stuff and had this for a while. So I'm going to have three or four that can have a huge effect 
and how your body responds to that stimulus. Metabolic health. Should that be what the conversation is when we're talking about the ketogenic diet? Yes. Ketogenic diet. We should focus on metabolism. We should focus on how exactly your body is responding to what you are putting in it to help determine how to regulate your weight. Exactly. Okay. So okay. that, and depends on how more metabolically unhealthy or sick you are, they're probably more aggressive. But if you are only got a f- have a few risk factors or you have family history, but you're afraid you're going to get some of that, you might be able to get away with a little bit more carbs. So more of a low, what we call a low carb. And again, when we talk ketogenic or low carb, it's more of the amount of carbohydrates. And everybody's a little bit different, but just mm-hmm. to give you an idea, with carbohydrates with a ketogenic diet is about, I would say 20. Am I saying 20 is the perfect number for everybody? No. Women sometimes can get, get away with a little bit more carbs. So I might say up to 40 maybe even up to 50. But a, the standard American diet's well over 200 grams of carbohydrates. A day? So, a day, yes. I'm part of the problem. So even if you cut it in half, go down to half your carbs, and you're getting the benefits, and your insulin levels are improving, your joint pain's improving, maybe your brain fog's improving, maybe you're not as tired because you're not having to drink as much caffeine because your brain's actually functioning, or maybe your attention deficit aspect is actually, I can focus on what's going on. These things are improving because your body's not having as much irritation and inflammation because of that elevated insulin. It might not, and you might not lose any weight, but you might get some of these other benefits. So it's really interesting to hear you talk about how like weight loss or weight gain isn't the root cause. No. And I think that's an incredibly important conversation to have, that somebody's weight is not the root cause. No, it's a symptom of their metabolic health, which is, from a lot of this, it's more of that key aspect, like I said, starting with trying to control your insulin. Now, again, there's multiple other hormones. Like I said, there's about 30 different hormones that we know play a role. But let's go focus on the insulin first. If we get it better controlled, some of those others might improve. Thank you so much for your thoughts. I really appreciate it and taking the time to come in here and chat with me about the ketogenic diet. Is there anything else that you would like to mention? If anybody's ever interested in through this or uh, want to talk or if they're concerned or they have more questions, they can contact me at Ogden Clinic or through my own website, utahmedicalweightloss.com. So utahmedicalweightloss.com or ogdenclinic.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Dr. Rigby. I am so fascinated with the keto diet. It almost seems too good to be true. You're telling me I can lose weight by eating avocados, cheese, and different sources of meat, sign me up. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the keto diet, and I'm going to take y'all on my journey. I'm going to Instagram and Facebook what I'm eating, how I'm feeling, if I'm feeling lethargic, if it's helping me. Whatever my thoughts are, I'm going to share with you. I'm curious if I will decrease my carb intake and increase my green intake, if I can give up sugars. I don't know how to give up Reese's peanut butter cups. So this is a challenge for me. Follow the pod on social media. Find us on Instagram at Moving Maria and on Facebook at Let's Get Moving. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the podcast if you feel so inclined.